Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's poem is Longfellow's Sandalphon. Sandalphon is one of the archangels of Jewish tradition found in the Jewish Talmud. He is the tallest of angels, so tall that his height laid prone would require a journey of 500 years to walk. Longfellow doesn't mention this physical feature, but rather focuses on his function and the imagery that accompanies that function. For Sandalphon is the angel who carries human prayers to God. Carries is literal, for when he gathers our prayers, they are changed to flowers, which he then carries to God as garlands of purple and red. Longfellow contrasts Sandalphon with the angels of wind and fire, which come into existence to praise God only once before expiring in ecstasy. The function of Sandalphon, by contrast, must be ongoing, as long as there are human spirits that adore God, souls that implore Him, and hearts that are broken or weary. Let's listen. Sandalphon by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Have you read in the Talmud of old, in the legends the rabbins have told, of the limitless realms of the air? Have you read it, the marvelous story of Sandalphon, the angel of glory, Sandalphon, the angel of prayer? How, erect at the outermost gates of the city celestial, he waits, with his feet on the ladder of light that, crowded with angels unnumbered, by Jacob was seen as he slumbered alone in the desert at night. The angels of wind and fire chant only one hymn and expire with the song's irresistible stress, expire in their rapture and wonder as harp strings are broken asunder by music they throb to express. But serene in the rapturous throng, unmoved by the rush of the song, with eyes unimpassioned and slow, among the dead angels, the deathless Sandalphon stands listening breathless to sounds that ascend from below, from the spirits on earth that adore, from the souls that entreat and implore in the fervor of passion and prayer, from the hearts that are broken with losses and weary with dragging the crosses too heavy for mortals to bear. And he gathers the prayers as he stands, and they change into flowers in his hands, into garlands of purple and red, and beneath the great arch of the portal, through the streets of the city immortal, is wafted the fragrance they shed. It is but a legend, I know, a fable, a phantom, a show of the ancient rabbinical lore, Yet the old medieval tradition, the beautiful, strange superstition, but haunts me and holds me the more. When I look from my window at night, and the welkin above is all white, all throbbing and panting with stars, among them majestic is standing Sandalphon the angel, expanding his pinions and nebulous bars. And the legend I feel is a part of the hunger and thirst of the heart, the frenzy and fire of the brain, that grasps at the fruitage forbidden, the golden pomegranates of Eden, to quiet its fever and pain.
The Jewish Talmud, or teaching, began as a collection of the oral Torah, the law given to Moses by God that was passed down orally until it was put into writing following the destruction of the Second Temple. To these laws were added commentary and other lore until by the 5th century of our common era, the Talmud became the extensive multi-volume book still studied today. Among its teachings are rabbinic midrash, interpretations of passages from the written Torah that sometimes differ from or go beyond the plain sense of the passages and can conflict with the midrash of other rabbis also included in the Talmud. The term is also used in a non-Talmudic sense for any such interpretations of biblical passages. In this broader sense, we might say that Sandalphin closes with a midrash by Longfellow on the story of Adam and Eve, in which Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit not out of an ambition to be like God or even from simple disobedience, but from a genuine human need, a hunger and thirst of the heart to quiet the fever and pain of our minds. Though Longfellow's reading goes much against the plain sense of the passage, in which Adam and Eve, prior to the eating of the forbidden fruit, live in a state of innocence, presumably without fever or pain, it is an interpretation which has its origin not in the poet's rational mind, but in his feeling, the ultimate source perhaps for all poetry, and thus may need to be considered not by our reason, but by our human feeling. Let's listen again. Sandalphin by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Have you read in the Talmud of old, in the legends the rabbins have told, of the limitless realm of the air? Have you read it, the marvelous story of Sandalphin, the angel of glory, Sandalphin, the angel of prayer? How, erect at the outermost gates of the city celestial, he waits with his feet on the ladder of light that, crowded with angels unnumbered, by Jacob was seen as he slumbered alone in the desert at night. The angels of wind and fire chant only one hymn and expire with the song's irresistible stress, expire in their rapture and wonder as harp strings are broken asunder by music they throb to express. But serene in the rapturous throng, unmoved by the rush of the song, with eyes unimpassioned and slow, among the dead angels, the deathless Sandolphin stands listening, breathless to sounds that ascend from below, from the spirits on earth that adore, from the souls that entreat and implore in the fervor and passion of prayer, from the hearts that are broken with losses and weary with dragging the crosses too heavy for mortals to bear. And he gathers the prayers as he stands, and they change into flowers in his hands, into garlands of purple and red, and beneath the great arch of the portal, through the streets of the city immortal, is wafted the fragrance they shed. It is but a legend, I know, a fable, a phantom, a show of the ancient rabbinical lore. 
Yet the old medieval tradition, the beautiful, strange superstition, but haunts me and holds me the more. When I look from my window at night, and the welkin above is all white, all throbbing and panting with stars, among them majestic is standing Sandolphin, the angel, expanding his pinions in nebulous bars. And the legend, I feel, is a part of the hunger and thirst of the heart, the frenzy and fire of the brain that grasps at the fruitage forbidden, the golden pomegranates of Eden to quiet its fever and pain. Longfellow opens Sandolphin by asking his reader if she or he has read the story of Sandolphin in the Talmud. While Longfellow may not have expected the answer would often be yes, he thought it possible. He was the poet of every man, as every man existed in 19th century America, but that every man was well-read, or at least well-versed in the world's stories, not just the stories of the Bible and American history, but the stories of the Greeks and of Islam and Judaism and medieval Europe and the revolutions taking place in Greece and Italy and Hungary in his own day. He wanted his readers to know the stories of the Native Americans and the Scandinavians. As I've prepared the episodes for this podcast every week, I've had to do quite a bit of reading to be confident in my historical understanding of his references. In many ways, the shared knowledge of our culture has shrunk rather than grown over the last hundred years. Sandolphin may well be known to more people today as a persona in a video game than as a bearer of prayers to God, prayers that have turned to flowers. I hope you enjoyed Sandolphin and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media, and visit this podcast's website, firesidepoems.com, where you'll find previous episodes and also my email address. I'd love to hear from you, to learn a little bit about who you are and what you like, as you join me each week by the fireside.